0: Welcome to Just Giants with the Cranky Fan and the Football Grump. I am the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. How's it going today, Grump? It's not going too bad. we got a lot on the plate today with tight ends and linebackers.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: <laughs> All right, so uh, let's jump right into tight ends here. Um, so currently, I don't even – so I had a lot of trouble actually even figuring out the projected starters for this team. I'm assuming after a four-year contract, Rhett Ellison is going to be starting as sort of the uh, versatile inline guy, backfield guy who can also go downfield. But I mean, you know, Will Ty. aside from him, Will Ty has the most experience in this offense, and he's the same kind of guy, except not as fluid. Um, and then, you know, for the backups, I guess uh, you have to hope that Jarrell Adams makes the The next step next year because he's got the bigger size he's got a little bit better speed than the other two and he can he can play the seam really well he can get downfield um and then you have matt lacoste who is a relative unknown because he hasn't played a single game a single snap but seems to be in the mold of Rhett ellison and will tie again I, i don't know is that is that accurate
1: I, I think the answer is going to be in the draft with this one for a starter. I, mean, I also think that Jarrell Adams is the guy they want to start, I think. You know, we'll tie. I don't know. I, I see it one of these tweener type of guys. And again, it's got nothing to do with my Florida State bias or anything. I just feel like he might be the odd man out in this mix where I, I think they still think the future's with Jarrell Adams. I, I think they're going to draft somebody, and I think they're going to draft somebody second round with the thought of him playing a lot and maybe even being a starter.
0: I think that just because of his experience in the offense, because he's the most experienced guy in the offense, and he's he was reliable. I mean, you knew what you were going to get with him. He didn't have any sort of breakaway speed. He didn't go downfield very often, but he caught the ball pretty well. Um, he runs the short and the intermediate game really well, and he breaks tackles really well. That's about it. Um, I think Matt Lacoste, because he's still in the same mold as Rhett Ellison and Will Ty, I think he's the odd man out. He hasn't played a single snap. Uh, I actually thought that he was going to really be something, but it, I just I think that the answer is going to be in the draft and they're going to get another guy along the line of Jarrell Adams who's going to stretch the field a little bit vertically and hopefully has a little bit more refinement to his blocking game.
1: I guess, what does this coaching staff want to do with the tight end position too? I mean, if they're looking for more of a, of a passing threat, that's one thing. But I, to me... Until this offensive line really solidifies itself and they get the you know the the personnel they want, and this becomes more of a dominating offensive line, tight end to me is a guy that needs to help with, with the blocking as much as anything. I mean, that's the bigger priority for it, I think, at this time. So based what we have on the roster, we've seen that this is not a very good blocking tight end group. So that's kind of where I'm looking at this. Of
0: course, of course, um, this is an offensive weapons um, and here the tight end is a is an interesting weapon in this offense because they they should be versatile right they should be able to block in the run game they should be able to move block come out of the h the h back position come out of the backfield come from the end of the line and just go straight ahead run blocking they should also be able to be a weapon in the offense so it's unfortunate that such an important position in this offense and there's no talent there whatsoever so this is a a spot that Ben McAdoo is really going to have to build up and I think that he is going to have a very hands-on approach to who they target in the draft who's high on their board for tight ends and who's not very high on the board for tight ends I think there's Mm going to be a lot of work done in the meeting rooms with him and Jerry Reese and Mark Ross on who to target and who to avoid in this class,
1: yeah, I mean, we, we say this for every single position. Well, if there's a run on these guys, who's going to be available? Who's going to drop? I mean, at some point, some position is not going to have that run, and somebody's going to fall down to where we're drafting. Honestly, of all the all the positions out there where that could happen, I'm hoping it's tight end, and I'm sure we are going to go through all your main targets who might be available around in the 20s, but. This is something where, like, if an O.J. Howard were to fall, I mean, I've seen him go everywhere super high and super low. I mean, that would be the type of guy where if we can – if he's available, I think we, we we jump on him. And that's a combination of best available player and player of need as well.
0: All right. Yeah. So let's jump right into it. Let's just say O.J. Howard falls to 23. What's your take on O.J. Howard? He played at Alabama. You've seen plenty of him. So let's hear it. You take him.
1: you you absolutely take him. I don't think he's going to last to 23. Again, this is kind of predicated on that. All of a sudden, there's a run on quarterbacks or the running back run happens. But if he's around at 23, I think we don't even take the full five minutes. I think we take... The full five seconds, I think, Jerry Reese or whoever runs that envelope right up to uh, the podium. And, and they say, you know, the Giants are taking him.
0: I've got to agree. I mean, he he is the best all-around tight end coming out of this draft. He does everything well, especially blocking. I mean, you know more than anybody that Alabama is not a passing team for the most part. Even when they had Amari Cooper, they, they'll throw, but this is a running team. And they ran behind O.J. Howard. He's yes,
1: a- especially— Especially last year when they had uh, Hertz as the quarterback. And you saw what happened in, like, in, the, in the playoff and the championship game when they couldn't run the uh, throw the ball. Yeah. But you're right. He does everything. They've had a couple of Heisman Trophy winner running backs in the last five years. And that's what their offense is. And when Nick Saban, when he sets his sights and his meat hooks on a, on a recruit, he's the best of the best. And this guy shined in that offense.
0: Yeah. And as I was saying before about what the tight end is supposed to do in Ben McAdoo's offense and the Giants offense, he's got to be a weapon who can play all over. And this guy played all over. He's athletic enough to play in line. He played in line a lot to just straight ahead run block or run out for a route. He played outside as a wide receiver because he's that athletic and that good of a route runner. He's played in the slot and he's played from the backfield, which is every position the tight end's got to play.
1: Yeah. Especially in that little, that Even if you've seen that little H-back, you roll like we like to do. So, yeah, I mean, versatility is something that this offense needs. McAdoo has that huge playlist. Let's start using it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's one of the thoughts is that, you know, the the huge criticism of Ben McAdoo and that that menu was, you know, it looks like there's a lot of plays on there, but we've only seen the same, like, eight plays. Uh, A lot of people pointed out, you know, maybe we're not good enough to run the other plays. Maybe.
1: You predicate, yeah, you predicate on your talent. I mean, if you it starts at the beginning, if you can't block, you know, forget about more of the exotic stuff. You know, that's why we did a lot of base eleven. I think it was just, you know, okay, we know we could do a couple of things moderately well. Let's just stick to what we can do. And yeah. now that you know we're seeing an increase in talent starting up front, a Brandon Marshall changes everything. What you can do, absolutely. Uh, now we, we stick in an actual tight end. You know, hopefully we're upgrading at running back. Now all of a sudden maybe we can start dipping into that. uh that big play sheet but it all it all starts with talent and jimmies and joes beat x's and o's saying
0: <laughs> um so you were saying a run on quarterbacks or whatever might force oj howard to fall i've a guy who's on the rise who might cause oj howard to fall not not that this should happen in my opinion but stupid teams do stupid things david and joku <laughs> has went from a way back in like november a projected third round pick to this guy is fighting oj howard for best tight end in the class uh, he's a Miami guy. I don't know how much you saw of him last year.
1: Well, he had uh, Kaya as his quarterback. I mean, every, and he gets a lot of attention because every Audrey Scott was watching him all year. I don't know. I mean, what's the what's the reason for the big jump? Is it was it a big combine or was it uh, what was th- what was the reason for it?
0: it? I think the the reason is because Brad Kaya was his quarterback, so his tape sucks because there's not a lot of. I mean, there's plenty of tape of him as a receiver. In fact, there's more of that than there is of his blocking. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, there's not a lot of tape of him doing anything ridiculous because Kai is such an inc- inconsistent quarterback. But, I mean, mm-hmm. so you look at him. He's 6'4", 245. Okay, so he's got great size. He has the versatility to play anywhere, but he's an inconsistent blocker. Um, he mm-hmm. has the tools and the willingness. He just, you know, it's technique,
1: you know, etc. cetera. Mm, so- sounds like another guy from Miami we have on the roster right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> sounds like it sounds like another tight end we had for Miami about ten years ago too. Yeah. I, I, I just don't understand the love affair this organization's had with the U, you know, going back twenty years. You know, guys like Armstead and Shockey and all these guys up and down the line. A lot of free agents we've gotten later on in, in, in their careers. I mean, there just seems to be this pipeline and I get it when they have, you know, like in the mid eighties and the early two thousands when they had this incredible run of NFL talent, but I don't know, it just seems like a strange thing to me. I don't so, get the obvious lines, you know, from one that college program to this organization. So, it's just an interesting trend. It's a, it's a little
0: strange. Um but I'm not I'm not convinced that this is going to be the guy. I mean, he's shooting up draft boards and whatever and it's it's because he's such a good receiver. He runs really good routes. He's very good at the seam route, downfield deeper routes. He's great. He's he's a natural. Like you can tell that he hasn't really been coached a whole lot. He just sort of knows what to do and where to go. But for me, his blocking is far too inconsistent for them to pull the trigger as high as he's gonna end up going at this point. If he were to fall to like the late second round, he wouldn't be a bad choice. But I still I feel like there's other needs for a guy that you're gonna have to work on one of his skills that is already in in deficit on the on the roster. So yeah, I- yeah,
1: we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that. Giants are in a very weird position right now. Where is it kind of built for right now, or is it kind of built for rebuilding? Or you know, what exactly? You know, I, I'd love to see what Jerry Reese and McAdoo's mission statement is for this team for 2017.
0: Well, I think in the, I think this is all being built year by year slowly, and it's been built on drafting the safe guy. You know, mm-hmm. you, could, you could swing for the home run with somebody like JPP who had coming out of college just pretty much raw athleticism I and mean, you take him in the first round and, okay, he developed into JPP. That was a home run. But there were too many strikeouts on guys like that with like Adrian Robinson who was a tight end who had all the physical talent or whatever, the size, the length, everything you'd want. You just have to hone it because he came out of a small school in Cincinnati. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And, and and sometimes that's going to happen. And so it put the team back by swinging for the fences so much that for the last couple of years they've just been swinging for the sure thing, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um I hate baseball, but it's baseball season so I'll keep that metaphor. If you if <laughs> if, you, if you keep if you keep getting walked, if you keep hitting singles you start scoring runs you know and and i think that's kind of what they're doing so jerry reese has set up free agency so that we're pretty well balanced in places and there's not a ton of real big holes so we can take the safe guy that we know is going to be good instead of swinging for the guy who could be great but might bust
1: right we're not going to swing for the fences with a guy like in the first round like if he <laughs> if he's available at 23 we're not going to make a reach like that for a guy like him you know if oj howard's available if he drops to our spot we're going to jump on him a guy like this if he's around in round two or round three is that really reaching for a home run well i mean or is it leave it this way is this a guy that could come in and fight for a starting spot right away and not only start but really help this offense on day one i i think it's time that maybe we do shoot for the for a home run but i don't know if this guy or this position is that home run i i think if we can get him around you know, the third or fourth round is that really considered a risky pick
0: no but but he won't go that far i mean if, if he falls that far that would be a, or let's a, say the second round let's say the second round i still think it's i still think that if it were his receiving game that needed work and not his blocking game i'd say go for it mm-hmm. i think he his deficit is the is identical to the team's deficit and he won't benefit right away. I just I don't see it. And I wanted to I wanted to throw his name out there because a lot of people are linking David and Joko to the Giants and I just don't see it. I don't I just don't see it.
1: Doesn't seem like a short like I'm looking at it as more we need a shorter term fix than a longer project and I don't see it either.
0: Yeah. Um it's a shame because I, I, I actually really liked him from what I saw, but when I was looking at him I was looking at him from the third, fourth round perspective and he just started shooting up draft boards. So it's, I just, let me ask you
1: something, let me ask you something. In all your years watching the draft, can you give any examples of guys that have really shot up out of nowhere and actually been really successful in the league or as opposed to, they looked really good in shorts in Indianapolis and all of a sudden became a first round pick and just, well, we should have watched the three years of tape on him as opposed to that one weekend. Um, what are some good examples you can think of?
0: The best one I can think of is Aaron Donald.
1: Yeah. Aaron, yeah.
0: Aaron Donald came out of nowhere and then all of a sudden he was in conversation for for our pick, I think we were at like twelve or something. He's been well worth the pick, I would say uh he's an incredible yeah. defensive tackle. I'm not you know I think your point is that there's more examples of people shooting up draft boards and busting or exactly not necessarily yeah. busting but but being who we thought they were at first than yeah. the other way around-
1: well jumping to the point they were uh, they bust in the fact of what their value was for the pick right you know, they, you know that's, that same value could have been picked up. In the fourth round, but because he had a great weekend at Indy, he became a second round pick and became kind of overvalued for what he ultimately gave you. Yeah. Purely on that weekend as opposed to, you know, what he brought to the table for his college career.
0: Yeah, I think that's a pretty valid point. A lot of people have made a lot about this tight end class. I'm I'm a little torn because it's hard for me to say that it's not a good tight end class, especially for a passing offense. But it's a little weird because I look at guys like Evan Ingram from Old Miss and Gerald Everett from South Alabama. I mean, even Bucky Hodges from Virginia Tech. These guys are all like more like big wide receivers than they are tight ends.
1: That's what the league's turning to. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, what, that's, what, that's what college football is now. And that's what the NFL is becoming where, you know, it's in effect, you know, your fourth wide receiver. Yeah, and, a little, and the little things, you know, because passing is so much more emphasized now in, in the short game and the, the quick tempo than it was 10, 15 years ago, that that's the skill set that coaches and GMs are looking for.
0: Yeah, I just don't know when I when I see it in college versus how it's going to be in the NFL. And I know the NFL is trending towards that, and I know that we need the, the tight end to be a deep threat who is also reliable in the short game. But do we? Do we really need him to be a deep threat as a tight end? I think so. I think you need a guy who can split the seam, who's got the size to mismatch shorter slot corners or, you know, who's 6'4 or 6'5 and can get over a 6'6 linebacker. Yeah, I think so. But I mean, in my opinion, you need that guy to be able to block effectively also. You need him to be so good at both of those things that you don't know if he's running out for a route or if he's running out to get a second level run block. That's mm-hmm. my that's mm-hmm. my take on that, and I could be incorrect. But when I look at guys like Evan Ingram, more Gerald Everett than anybody. He's 6'2", 240, but he's this excellent route runner with great hands, and he doesn't have a ton of speed. That just sounds like Hakeem Nix to me. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I, and I know that... He's a willing blocker in the run game, but he just gets overpowered because he's only 6'2", and he's playing in line to try and take on a defensive end who's 6'5".
1: Yeah, we need guys who are willing and able. I mean yeah. I, I'm willing, but you don't see me out there blocking anybody. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, and then you have other guys. You have somebody like Bucky Hodges who's 6'6", 257, coming out of Virginia Tech where they didn't even bother trying to have him block. Mm-hmm. That he's never in line, so there's no tape on it. I have no idea if he can do it or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're not in any position now. If we want to help this team right away, to go with a, that sounds like a complete project to me. And if that's someone that you know slips all the way down, you may want to take a flyer on him. And maybe, maybe you convert him into some sort of like a you know, type of H-backy receiver more. I, I don't know, but again, for what we need, I don't think that's the type of skill set we're looking for, at least experience.
0: There's a guy we didn't talk about that I kind of want to is Jake Butt. From Michigan, He had a pretty bad knee injury. But otherwise, if he didn't, he'd probably be the third tight end on this board. He's 6'5", 245. He's probably the best blocker of the bunch. Um, He's a good route runner, but he doesn't have great speed, so he's not a deep threat. But he is really good in the short and intermediate game and can play the seam really well. He he would be a guy we might target in, say, the fourth round if he's still there because of that knee injury. What do you think about that? Is that outlandish?
1: No, not at all. And again, I think... You know, if you're going to have a little bit of the uh, the advantage from blocking versus, you know, pass catching ability, I think we're going to go for blocking. And if you're right, if he is a value picket for someone we can, you know, a reclamation project, I mean, that might be a little too strong of a word for him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if he's there, I, th- I think we take him. I mean, I think also predicates on what we do earlier, obviously. But, you know, if, you know, our main targets in round two and not there and he's, he's still there, I think we definitely would jump on him.
0: Yeah. So, so he's a guy that I would, I would seriously consider Bucky Hodges as well. Only, only if you think that you can get him to block. Only because there's no tape on it. I don't know. Not that he can't do it. He is the size. Right. Um. I just, I haven't seen any of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think this. Uh, I, 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 think this. The GM and the staff is going to be a little wary of that too. You know, yeah. I think they're. You know, I, I think the Eric Flowers situation is kind of permeating the entire organization now where they want to see it and they want to see technique you know it's a bit of a risk when you're saying well we'll just we'll just teach them well they may or may not get it so
0: yeah and and that's the other thing when I was saying about it's hard to tell with these guys because they look like big wide receivers do they even want to be tight ends it that's looks true. like a lot of times like there are some guys you can tell that they're willing and they're just overpowered because whatever but there's a lot of times you see guys like, like Jordan Leggett from Clemson who's six six and he just runs and he tries to throw the one the one block punch and that's like it. That's not effort. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, right. man, try. This is part of your job. This is a half of your job.
1: Right. Well everybody's like a frustrated actor, everybody's a frustrated wide receiver, and that's what they want to be, so Yeah.
0: So let's let's move on to linebackers. This 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 situation's a hot mess. <laughs> I, I I guess I have for the projected starters are Jonathan Casillas and uh, Keenan Robinson. Both played extremely well. They were close to being three down guys. We kind of hope that BJ Goodson is going to take the leap and be like the middle, but I haven't seen enough to actually say that that's going to happen. So I'm not going to say it's going to happen. It could happen. (laughs) Um, And Devon Kennard played a lot off the edge. So he, he subbed in on third downs and stuff like that. That was sort of his strong suit. And then behind that, you have Mark Herzlick who came in in goal line situations and JT Thomas still in the roster, a little bit of an unknown. And what's going to happen with that? I think, Cutting is probably what's going to happen with that.
1: I hear a warning uh, in the background. Is that a warning about linebackers? <laughs> yes,
0: pretty much. So so we'll jump right into the draft. Um, there's a guy I know you're going to want to go all over, and it's Jared Davis. So let's hear it.
1: Uh, I love Jared Davis. Jared Davis is one of those guys where if he can come back for a fifth year at UF, he would have a guy that plays through pain, a guy that is a a true leader. He been banged up a little bit, but you know, like the Georgia game, he's like, "I'm playing. This is in my hometown. I don't care what happens. I'm going to get out there." The guy's a baller. Uh, the guy's an animal. Uh, you know, he's the type of guy where if we drafted him, I'd go to NFL.com and buy his jersey tonight. That type of guy. A little bit of injury concerns is you know. He does get nicked up quite a bit. Florida – I know. I don't want to make this into a Florida podcast, but we've had uh, – the injury bug hit linebackers in the last couple of years has been ridiculous. We were down to a walk-on in the bowl game last year. That's how bad it was. So, I, again, another guy is kind of slowly risen and slowly started to slide a little bit in some of the mocks I've seen. But if we're going linebacker, I, I wouldn't go wrong with Jared Davis.
0: I think Jared Davis is the best linebacker of this group. Um, I think he has – the all-around ability to do everything. I think he's a three-down starter. I think he's great in man coverage. I think he can run sideline to sideline if he needs to. I think he can read and react so quickly that he is in a gap before the gap even opens. He sheds blocks really well. He. The most important thing when it comes to tackling for me, but specifically linebackers, because they're often tackling alone, is which direction they're tackling and how well they tackle. So Jared Davis and Reuben Foster, who we'll get into later, are guys who always tackle and they're pushing the guy backwards. Zach Cunningham, who we're going to get to next, is not that guy. And that's my big problem. Um, but Jared Davis is always pushing guys backwards. So as far as they come to hit him is as far as they'll ever go. And that's a really important feature, especially, you know, on third down when you're in coverage and you you run to the sticks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's important. Um Sure. And not only that, but Jared Davis is great at blitzing, which is a real problem with the linebackers we have in the group.
1: Yeah. we just got a bunch of pedestrian guys right now, you know, guys like um, – they just seem to stay on the roster every year. And it's like, how are these guys still around? I mean, we haven't had a real playmaker in a while, a guy like a leader back there. So I, I, I'm i all over Jared Davis. I, I, I've seen him now for, you know, for four years, and you've seen the progression – he wasn't even that big of a recruit coming out of high school um and just you know became a man and you know you listen to his uh interviews and stuff he's a very mature guy he under he gets what he's trying to do he gets you know the the, uh the enormity of the jump from college the nfl so i i would welcome him with open arms
0: um my only concern with jared davis is that injury concern so how serious is that injury concern
1: well you know there's guys that it seems like every three weeks there's something wrong with them and he's one of those type of guys he you know he seems to have a very high tolerance for pain because he plays through a lot of stuff um but yeah i mean it's you know it's something to think about i wouldn't not pick him because of injury concerns but it's something that's going to be out there
0: all right so level with me if jared davis is on the board at 23 how psyched would you be
1: I would say I would run to Philly. I'd run up those Nike, the uh, Rocky stairs and make the pick myself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Um, so there's another guy that a lot of people had, have talked about the giants taking Jerry Reese himself went to Vanderbilt to watch him go. It's a uh, linebacker, Zach Cunningham. I believe he played the middle in college, but I think he's more likely to be a will in our system. So Zach Cunningham has good size. He's got great speed. He has three-down ability. He can run sideline to sideline. He's instinctive. To me, my problem with Zach Cunningham is his tackling ability. And in college, granted in the SEC, but in college, he was more likely to do one of those like rugby-style tackles where it's almost like he's getting run over and dragging the guy down to the ground. But every time that happens, the runner is getting another two to three yards. And in the NFL, it's a game <laughs> that, of inches. That's five or six yards you can get, too. True. But it's a game of inches. And the, it, you know, in college, guys aren't running all the way to the sticks and all sorts of things. But in the NFL, these are pros. And you can't be being dragged two to three yards on every play. And to me, that's a huge knock on Zach Cunningham. Not that I wouldn't like him on the team, but to be... The guy at twenty three. That's a big deal for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you see him as a guy as the best available guy at twenty three? Comes down
0: to that. Me personally, absolutely not. The whole rest of the world seems to think so. So there's a reason that I'm not getting paid a ton of money to make this call, but <laughs> it to me there's a pretty big part of his game that doesn't pass the eye test, which you know, you can have thirteen combines for all I care the eye test is the eye test for me right but he does blitz very well and having a second level pass rusher is something the team doesn't really have outside of landon collins i guess
1: right and How often are you going to use him in that situation well, as often as it works <laughs> <But> yeah
0: <laughs> there's another guy that i think you might know a lot about i in fact i know you'll know a lot about him But um, he's not as high up on the board. But if we don't go linebacker for a couple of rounds, how would you feel if Alex Anzalone is on the board?
1: Uh, I think Alex Anzalone is about a fourth or fifth round pick. Um, He's had a lot of injury issues in his career. He was out for most of the 2015 season. He came back last year and played more than I thought he was going to play. But he's always one of those guys that's a play away from being out for multiple weeks. Mm. So. I think he benefited from having a guy like Jared Davis and having the defensive line and the secondary around him. Um, I could see him as a guy, you know, fourth, fifth round, bring him into camp and see what he can do. But uh, if he wasn't a Gator, I wouldn't be that, you know, I wouldn't raise too many eyebrows about him. Yeah, I, I
0: mean, he's he he's the kind of guy who has the, the size and the length and the height and the weight. He looks NFL ready, but like you said, he's got a serious injury concern. And I think also he has a little bit of trouble reacting, like reading and re- read and reacting to what's going on in front of him. He seems a little bit late to that. But then again, he, when you're playing next to Jared Davis, who's incredibly good at that, I think that mm-hmm. flaw might get a little exaggerated. Um Right.
1: Yeah. I like I said, he was a great guy in a unit. He didn't stand out individually as being a great guy, so you know and when you get to the next level to the NFL you got to be a great guy so
0: yeah and and I think the linebacking group is completely devoid of playmakers yeah I don't not sure he looks like a molded piece of an unmolded piece of clay I mean I think you can you can develop him probably into maybe a two down starter or something at best that might be the best future for him is like a two down starter mm-hmm. in a couple of years Right. There's a guy I really want to talk about, and I know you'll have a, a lot to say about him also, is Reuben Foster from Alabama. In my opinion, when I watch him, he's good in pass coverage. I think he can play three downs in the NFL, maybe not right away, but over time. When I watch this guy play, this is a guy who passes the eye test. The exact opposite of Zach Cunningham, in my opinion. I've never seen him get run over. This is a guy who makes shit happen. <laughs> Just just as a, an FYI, the only linebacker on this team that's signed beyond this coming year is B.J. Goodson, who is a complete unknown, but was drafted to sort of be maybe the heir apparent in the middle.
1: Right, right. But, but the question is going to be, you know, he is a complete unknown. And to me, a complete unknown is subject to competition, but especially you can get a guy like uh, like Foster's ability and his talent. Yeah and, and
0: this guy is the best tackler I think I've ever seen in my life and I'm not even kidding because like I said I've never seen him get run over.
1: That's some pretty high praise so you know again I say you go for it if you if you do.
0: It's interesting. Yeah. Two guys I I want to talk about real quick. One ha- comes with a lot of pedigree, TJ Watt from Wisconsin. I don't know how much you've watched to him, but I think Wisconsin in general as a as a football program surprised a lot more people this year especially with nothing at quarterback and i think tj watt had a lot to do with it i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that he's going to be his brother i guess right he's not like cousin or anything i think he's his brother brother yeah yeah i'm, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that tj is going to be jj but he does seem to be sort of growing the same way where it looked like he's just now like tapping into his potential like he's still growing they're still upside with him and he was already excellent. To me, the biggest question mark with T.J. Watt is that he didn't do a whole lot of coverage at Wisconsin. And I have no idea. Like, even trying to find tape of it was difficult. I have no idea how. Because if he can't cover, he won't He won't last in the NFL.
1: Not no, for very long. Not at all. For, not in today's NFL. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. For, for Giants fans looking for the next J.J. Watt to be on the roster, I would... Cool your jets a little bit. I have no idea how this guy's going to cover, and he does not really have the length to play defensive end at six four. He's much better standing up. Yeah. um
1: I don't do a scattering report. Well, it's his brother. I need a little yeah, more than that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Put question marks over his name. It, and it's then it's sort
1: of like giant fans. A lot of them out there are like, "Well, he's from Jersey." Like, oh, in that case.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, <laughs> Go <gonna> sign him.
0: <laughs> me too. Relax. Give me a uniform.
1: Need a little more than that, guys.
0: um And then the last guy that gets a lot of coverage is a. Uh, temple outside linebacker hassan reddick same thing guys i have no idea what he's going to do in coverage he has a ton of bust potential he's converting from defensive end he does not have the size for that at all which is why he's made the early transition he's only Um uh, but he's very good at rushing the passer he picked up on it very quickly at the senior bowl he kind of has like the instincts to know just when to do it what to do he's still a little light regardless what you're getting with this on reddick is you're not getting any sort of playmaker year one i just don't know if you can draft a guy on this team who's such a huge question mark with things like coverage and just learning a whole new position for a team in my opinion that's sort of in win now mode
1: yeah i i, I don't uh what are they projecting like what round it's it's a little up in the board right so like I said he's switching
0: positions. he did it for the first time and at the senior bowl he moved to outside linebacker and he actually looked very good at it. he looked instinctive. Um, he looked like he had been playing it for a while even though he hadn't um but but because there's that uncertainty, I've seen him all over the board from the middle of round one to you know the end of round two it's it's difficult to project somebody like that
1: yeah.
0: I mean maybe if he's sitting it in round two if he's still sitting there. I, I would consider it
1: yeah I don't know I mean again it depends what we took in round one we just i I don't know i i I agree with you saying about we're a little bit too much in win mode now win now mode to be starting to worry about projects I, and I, not I only think, projects uh, complete conversions which uh that's what I mean by a project yeah yeah, yeah not that' he's learning how to play football but learning something completely different and yeah. uh, I think there's other uh there's other options out there than, than that right now
0: i i I don't believe this team has a good track record of converting. I tend to not even look at guys that are like three, four outside linebackers or or conversions like that in the draft. I just the Giants have had such bad luck trying to do that on their own.
1: I'm curious, with you know, even like on a league wide basis, what's that like? I mean, can you think of really a uh, count kind of on two hands how many guys you know been successful making the jump from? You know, one guy stands out to me, and again, going back to my Florida roots, is a guy like Javon Kurtz. They're frequent from linebacker to defensive end. Yeah, It's,
0: it's hard for me to think of, are you, are you talking about just that position in general, that position change, or any I think, position change? Uh,
1: You know, I'm thinking on the defensive side, kind of, you know. Well,
0: I mean, Deion Buchanan is one of those guys who sort of made a little bit of a position change more recently. But but ultimately no. I, I the teams that run a consistent three four defense have a little bit more versatility. They can work mm-hmm. with athleticism a little bit more than four three defenses. So I think there's a little bit less of a curve there, at least from a physical standpoint. There's more space for guys to use their athleticism. I I can't yeah. think of any examples.
1: <laughs> no, I, I can't either. So that's why I was curious, you know, thinking league wide more so than you know our history.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's too difficult for me. I think Hassan Redick is too much of a a gamble when there's such a good thing going. I
1: mean, we're talking about a unit, you know, that's really the I think the biggest question mark on this entire team, even more so than offensive line or what are we going to do with Eric Flowers left tackle? To I me, mean, this linebacker thing, it really it could be that one link in, in the uh in the defense, it could be a major problem. Right. And I
0: think I think the major thing that you touched on that is not discussed often enough when you're talking about linebackers is the ability to communicate. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a guy in the middle. I, our best communicator on defense is probably Landon Collins. And he does a great job of making sure everybody's lined up. He's usually in the right position. The defense in general is usually in the right position, looking back at last year. Mm -hmm. But if you were to have a guy like Jared Davis, who, like you said, was you know a walk-on kind of not a walk-on but he was like a three-star
1: yeah i mean that's one of the things that randy shannon was able to do is bring in linebackers that weren't elite five-star recruits to come in and had them play an outstanding level so
0: yeah i mean outstanding level we're talking about a first round draft pick right here
1: right Uh, right nobody thought that you know four years ago you know the class of and correct me if i'm wrong jared davis is a captain no yep he's a captain well they do they have rotating captains but he was one of the guys who was heavily in the rotation
0: if you, if you were to pick a leader on the defense who would you have picked as somebody who's studied florida extensively
1: for last year's team oh jerry davis without a doubt so there you go and, and i think
0: he's the kind of guy who will be able to get the whole the whole unit not just the linebacking unit but the entire defense to play better and ultimately that's the only thing that matters
1: well here's, here's the interesting thing though is he could be we have 10 returning starters basically next year on defense So let's say if he comes in and starts playing right away, we'll have nine returning starters who are are playing. You're asking a lot for a rookie to come in with such continuality on that defense to all of a sudden be the leader. So, you know... If this was a young defense that had a lot of holes and someone that they can all grow together, and that's one thing. But you got a lot of guys on this defense who've been around a while. You got three guys in the defensive line who are making a ton of money. You have a, a corner who's making a ton of money. That's not as easy as a jump from leader in college to rookie with that responsibility.
0: Well, I'm not saying that he needs to be a leader right away. I mean,
1: well, a guy who runs, a guy who's making the calls on defense, you know, is yeah. kind of quarterback on the defense. So not that is as much as being a quote unquote leader. Well, well. here's what the Giants have done.
0: They have built a youth movement on the defensive line. Everybody there is under 30. Yep. You have two young guys on the outside with Janoris Jenkins and Eli Apple. And yeah. you have two young guys in the back with Landon Collins and Darian Thompson and or Andrew Adams, who's also young. Mm -hmm. It's the middle that needs the youth. And, okay, so he's a young guy. He doesn't have to be the leader this year, and he doesn't have to call all the shots this year. But he can grow into that role. He has the high character. He's the locker room guy that, you know, by 2018, he's going to fit right in. And the the level of trust between all three
1: levels of that defense is going to go through him. Right. So, and that trust level, that grows pretty quickly, too. I mean, if we're having this conversation, you know, I, in middle of April of 2019, it's it's a long-forgotten thing. Too, oh, sure. So. Yeah, exactly. And all everyone right. will still be there. I think, what do we have? All, the three guys in defensive line are all locked up together for four more years? The next to I mean, have
0: all four years
1: you're gonna have a ton of uh and you have a guy like that who's a good communicator up front where you know these guys are going to in their sleep know what they're doing and know their assignments so let me ask you kind of related to that and it might be slightly off topic d spagnolo is he ever going to get another head coaching job or you think he's just going to be a a, a defensive uh, coordinator uh you are
0: touching on my most underrated jerry reese move of the year so I don't think I released this, but that to me was the biggest move of the off season, and it happened right away. If you remember, there was a serious—well, maybe it wasn't totally serious because everybody seemed to think it was going towards Ben McAdoo. But there was a bit of a competition to see who was going to actually get Tom Coughlin's head coaching job. If you think back,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know, Steve Spagnuolo was a guy that—okay, granted, he had bad head coaching experience, but he was also playing with bad teams. I mean. <laughs> The Rams were a travesty, and they kind of put all their eggs into the Sam Bradford basket. And the New Orleans Saints were completely thrashed by Bountygate and weren't really able to build much on what they were doing. And that's asking a lot from a guy who didn't have a ton of head coaching experience. This is a guy that had rallied guys around him. He was not the defensive coordinator for very long in 07. It was his second year or his first year, I think, even.
1: I think it was the second year. I, I don't remember. I, I believe it was the second year because it would have been made more above it. About it, it was his first year. It was the second year. Okay, but I mean, this is not a guy who had been around for an incredibly long period of
0: time and gained a lot of trust over time. This is a guy that gained trust very quickly, and people bought into his system.
1: Yeah, but and the league is the league is filled with guys who were failures in their first head coaching job, and then came in their second one, and you know, like the Bill Belichick's of the world, and you know. um Pete Carroll's, Carroll's of the Carroll's world. the
0: big one, yeah. But, okay, so the point I'm making is there are plenty of examples of franchises kind of picking up the same old thing, right? Like, I mean uh, – Nor Turner disease. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah.
1: Wade Phillips disease.
0: Yeah, exactly. These guys that just always seem to get head-coded – Jeff Fisher, just just guys who are always seem to be without any sort of results for any reason at all just seem to keep getting yeah. gigs
1: especially guys like those two i mentioned and this could be a potential spagnolo issue is you know they flame out as a head coach they get a a, a a plush offensive coordinator defensive coordinator coordinator job look really good with a lot of talent around them get the next available job flame out on that you know yeah repeat rinse spin so and jerry reese was able to lock up steve
0: spagnolo right away as a defensive coordinator he could have if if that if that whatever contract situation or whatever had lingered on, there's a good chance that he could have been lured
1: somewhere else. Yeah, I think he still could as well, you know, next year. This team has a sure. a solid defense, and then there's some, you know, Brown's job opens up or some other crappy job, you know. There'll come a calling, and those things can get worked out. So I, I, it's nice that it locked him up for definitely for 2017, but I wouldn't say that, you know, He's committed, you know, for an indefinite period of long this contract. No, I don't think he's, he's committed had, for. He's a, having success, he'll get another head coaching job.
0: Yeah. I don't I don't think he's committed for a very long time, but if they were going to make a serious run at the Super Bowl in the next couple of years, it I in my opinion, it was imperative that the defense remain as intact as it was so that the young guys could continue to develop. They didn't have to spend a whole another year learning a new system and new terminology. I think the Steve Spagnuolo signing was something that was so important and not talked about at all and it happened yeah, this, right away
1: yeah this team is going to make deep playoff runs based on the defense in offense is still a lot of question marks and a lot of things have to be built but that 11 and 5 team last year was based on defense and that's that's the the, the linchpin of this team that's what it's going to be for the near term so
0: yeah I mean that's that's pretty much it I, I think Steve Spagnuolo was that kind of vocal guy that sort of captain in the locker room kind of guy he's not I mean, and I wouldn't really know. Bill Belichick is some sort of like crazy guy in the locker room or whatever, but I, he at least appears to everybody as being the quiet sort of father figure who's angry and keeps a tight ship kind of thing. I don't think Steve Spagnuolo is that guy. He's a vocal guy who gets people involved and gets people thinking. Um,
1: I and mean, I, we'd have to see. You know, the, the grand experiment would always be if you just plot Bill Belichick on a team like the Titans, what he would be if he didn't have, you know, a system in place, the way they replace players, you know, you know, we're keeping him too long without having a Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, having, yeah, not being in cap hell ever. So, you know,
0: yeah, as a, as a small aside, it, it's, it's really strange to think what Bill Belichick would have ever been. And there's no denying that he's a really, really great coach. But who who's to say what the Patriots would have been like the last ten years if they didn't just hit the absolute jackpot with Tom Brady, right. and not only hit the jackpot but have Drew Bledsoe go down so that they could find out what they had so early in his career?
1: Sure, I mean the Jets. I think they feel Jet fans. He was the coach for one day after he <laughs> quit. And also, you know, who knows what Cleveland would have been if they would have kept him around? Also, because remember, his first job he was a complete washout with the Browns. How long was he the head coach before they moved that organization? One year. Two years? I, can't, I actually two, can't remember. About two, three years, and then he went right back to uh, to work with Parcells with the Jets. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he was on the track to be one of those, you know, assistant coach retreads. It's very interesting.
0: Yeah. Circling back a little bit to linebackers, I think Hassan Reddick is too much of a gamble. We've been consistently picking sure things in the draft. I, I don't want to use a high pick after such a good year last year on, on a question mark like that.
1: You know, I don't want to jump around too, too much, but you're talking about drafting sure things. Mm -hmm. Was Eric Flowers really considered a sure thing based upon, you know, the questions he had with, you know, technique? No. And even Justin Pugh, (laughs) was he considered a sure thing based on the fact that he had shorter arms? I'll
0: say Eric Flowers was not a sure thing. I think that that was a guy that they thought they might get away with. It's difficult for me to remember that draft in particular and who else was on the board, but I don't. Rem- I remember thinking when I was watching it, like, oh, it's, it's going to be Flowers at this point. I don't remember there being like some other player available that was somebody that we could afford to take. I, I just, I, I when we were picking, I had already at that point knew that it was going to be Eric Flowers, so that might have had something to play with it. But no, I wouldn't say he was a sure thing. Justin Pugh, I think. They knew what they were getting in terms of athleticism. I mean, this is a guy who was a left tackle in college. They wanted to move him to right tackle because they didn't think that – they thought that his speed could make up for his shorter arms. And mm-hmm. I didn't think that he played poorly at right tackle. He he didn't play great, but he didn't play poorly in my opinion. And right. I, I you said this uh, – episodes back but the coaches see these guys every single day they see what they can do what they can't do and they saw an intelligent guy who knew the system who was a team player who had athleticism uh,
1: all over the place in the offensive line yeah. you think about it
0: and when, when no. you think about it now it's hard to think of too many left guards that are better than him so i think no. the sure thing that they went for there was they hit the nail <laughs> on the head
1: well i know one thing i know his agent's gonna say i can't think of a left guard any better than him when he's yeah you know, He's up for that contract next year, so that's
0: that's a problem for next year.
1: We have yeah, <laughs> an episode uh, you know, eighty six of uh, Just Giants will discuss <laughs> the, the uh, salary cap doom we're gonna have trying to get him and uh, in uh, Richburg. but we'll <laughs> worry about that next year.
0: Yeah, that that's next year's problem. We're in the business of this year right now. all right so that's gonna do it for us uh i am the football grump you can follow me on twitter at football underscore grump or you can follow the podcast at just giants pod or you can send us an email at just giants podcast at gmail.com
1: i am the cranky fan as always you can follow me on twitter at the cranky fan you can also listen to my companion show mark and the cranky fan uh both shows are available on soundcloud Well, you get your double dose of Gators and New York Giants, sarcasm and obnoxiousness.
0: (laughs) All right. Go Giants. Go Giants.